Hi, and welcome to The Raw Bar. I'm Goddess Cecilia, sexuality and pleasure educator slash consultant. I've invited my friends and colleagues to sit, snack, and get real and probably a little salty about sexuality and pleasure. We've also saved a seat for you. Grab a drink, something to munch on, and your willingness to explore and experience something new and pleasurable. Welcome to the Raw Bar. I'm going to read your bio. Dr. Colby Zongal is a sexologist who believes that the relationship rules we've been taught are bullshit. Forget what should be. Imagine what could be. Through teaching and coaching, she helps clients reprogram the limiting beliefs and patterns that are keeping them stuck so that they can curate the sex and love life of their dreams. It's so good. So this is actually a question I haven't been able to ask other people. There's the terminology, right? And and then there's also the idea of like, who are, what makes a sex educator, that sort of topic can come up. But what exactly is sexology? Right. I feel like it was funny that like we were talking about ready to, like I was ready to talk about this today because I actually saw someone else. I think it was Dr. Jill McDevitt, but like post a post about Mm -hmm. like how she like all of the like reactions she's gotten to her being a sexologist that people just like the bullshit, like it's a fake profession, which I can at least appreciate. Cause it's not, I mean, it definitely wasn't like for career day offered when I was younger, but essentially like right. <laughs> sexologist is just someone who studies human sexuality and it's, well, yes, I'm going to say human sexuality. <laughs> um, cause there's obviously animal sexuality too. I do not do any of that, <laughs> but Obviously, you'll you'll know this, but for folks that are listening might not realize when I say sexuality too, I don't just mean like behaviors or mm-hmm. or gender or orientation. Like that is literally the breadth of everything that makes up our human sexual experience. So those things are obviously part of that, but also like our connections, our our intimate relationships, not just like what we tend to think about as sexual relationships, but also our partnerships, our friendships, you know, experience and think about pleasure, how we feel about our bodies, how we experience our bodies, cultural values about sexuality, you know, Mm -hmm. all the the shit that (laughs) like makes up those and those beliefs and those thoughts and things like that. So it is a really, really broad, wide ranging field Mm -hmm. of study. I love that you added that you included friendships because mm-hmm. I feel like people don't think about that at all yeah no absolutely and like two one of the you know we, we can dive into this a little bit later but one of the things <laughs> I would love to like impart and share on folks is you know I, I I tend to sometimes talk about that like we have these sexual relationships we have those romantic relationships oftentimes the script that we are you know I almost said the word indoctrinated, but I'm going to say socialized to believe is that Mm. those relationships are like the ones that are most important. They are the ones that we should be focused on pursuing and maintaining, but shit, like intimacy and connection and comes from so many other places in our lives, right? Coworkers, Mm. like friends, like family, you know, even like people we like ride the bus with or like. I had this like cute little moment the other day at Kohl's, like making an Amazon return with folks. And we had this like moment of connection in life, you know, stuff like that. And like those things all enrich our experience of this world too. And they are important. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in the, yeah, we will, you can definitely delve into this more, but there is such the like focus on like the one. Yeah. <laughs> the one, the one. And, like, your relationship is like your end all be all. It's like goal of life. And it's like, there's so much, there's so much. <laughs> well, so now to be a sexologist, mm-hmm. I imagine that there's, that I feel like there to, to label some yourself as a sexologist, there's a degree behind it. So I have a degree behind it. That doesn't mean that everyone who labels themselves as a sexologist has a degree behind it. Okay. Okay. Fair. I remember like in the beginning of my degree program that like one of our, I think she was one of our instructors, like said, like you are all sexologists, like you are all studying, Mm -hmm. like actively studying sexuality. And that's essentially what makes someone a sexologist. Like Mm -hmm. oftentimes if we think of it in a professional way, like you said, there's a degree. So for other ologists out there, like an anthropologist or a biologist or a sociologist, like it kind of is the same. You could, you could call yourself a sociologist if you're studying sociology, whether or not you have a degree, if that makes sense. That's true. So what made you decide to go for the PhD? I don't know. <laughs> it was a long process. It was a long ass process. Honestly, this is going to sound so, this feels very uninformed saying it now. And it makes That's me okay, laugh. because this is a raw bar, so we're leave putting it all out on the table. It makes me laugh. And makes me want to cry a little bit, but I remember seeing somewhere so long ago, I'm sure before the price of higher education went through the fucking roof, people with PhDs made 10 times on average as much as people with just high school diplomas. I was probably literally 17 at the time. I bet you my mom even remembers this because we talked about it and I was like, I'm just, I don't make fucking money. I'm going to get a PhD. And then I didn't know what at the time. And then to be fair, like, what happened in practice is that I just like mm. being a student. So like being a student was cool and I liked learning and I wasn't paying any of my student loans back when I was building them up. That's so true. That's how they get you. That's how they got me. And then I got so far in, I was like, I always as much. I might as well just finish. It's like school plus dissertation mm-hmm. plus don't you have to do some, some work in the field as well? I no, not part of my program, luckily. Well, okay. yeah have like a practicum component but that was technically for our masters so in order to get the phd obviously i have to get a master's but it was part of like that part of it not though so i would like to like pretend that it was this very valiant noble like reason like well i just really wanted to be an expert in the field and have all this like analytical critical thought behind us but that wasn't it i mean that part was cool as it came along i i do feel very grateful for that experience but that was not the impetus by any means mm-hmm. and why sexology I kind of like fell into it a little bit I was so I think one of the questions you had like written down or sent me whether like it was like had I ever taken a course in human sexuality before mm. I had I was a communications major in undergrad literally the last day of school like of classes before finals like my senior year one of my TAs in a class I loved, which was gender and communication. So obviously I feel like I had nice. like a knack for it or like just an interest in it. Had a woman come in and just basically do like a sex ed lecture, like talk about like STDs and pregnancy, for, you know, mm. typical like STD pregnancy prevention kind of thing. And I remember having this moment where she was talking, I think she was talking about HPV and mm. I literally had never heard of HPV before. And at this moment, 
I wouldn't have said it like this then, but I like at this moment, I literally did like have a moment where I recognized my privilege where I was like, I'm 22 years old. I'm college educated at this point. Like I have a college degree next week. My mom was brought up by a single mom. She was never shy about like teaching me things. I was on birth control. Like I was able to get myself on birth control like before I became sexually active. But I was like, I have all these resources and I'm sexually active. And no one told me this shit, even though like I was like, you know what I mean? Like, so if I yeah. know there have to be other people that like don't know it. And that's not fair because it's not for a lack mm. of like desire to know. It's not for a lack of like being closed off. It's not, it was just that right. like, people like spreading this information. So I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and it was You're like, like, everyone needs to know. And I will be the one yep. to tell everybody. Which was, which was actually, you know, it was like a little serendipitous because it was perfect because I literally was having that like, thing that happens sometimes when like folks are upon graduation and I had no idea what I wanted to do like I, right yeah. right that was a little gift from the universe nice I love that I do um, <laughs> well so so what are you doing now with your sexology degree so a lot of separate things which I feel like is probably fairly true for most of the you know folks in this field now yeah I definitely used to have aspirations of teaching at the like college level and like being a tenured professor. And I don't want to do that shit anymore. That is, you know, I, I, I like my work-life balance and I, for everyone I'm gauging that has like toad in that industry, that is not the place for it. So I'm mm. just really trying to build my, my own business and my own practice doing education, teaching. I have a course that's called understanding sexuality for grown ass adults that I teach every, I call it semester, essentially, I launch every semester where anybody can take, and it is just like the college courses. I've taught college courses on human sexuality, like a human sexuality 101 course that not just folks enrolled in a collegiate degree program, so it's literally, yeah, but kind of covers very similar content, and then I do also like one-on-one coaching with folks, so folks that have a sexuality-related problem, or I don't want to call it problem, challenge that they want to solve there is some challenge that they can solve in their life that can make their life better, whether it be in their relationship or their love life or their sex life. So we're mm. going to navigate that together. I love it. Yeah. I love that. I mean, there were no sexologists at career day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, will there ever be? I don't know. That is a question for the ages, my girl. I know, right? I cannot wait until Song is in school. You know, like, what do your parents do? <laughs> know this about me but I'm sure like I forget there are potentially other people listening so like one of my like lots identities in life that is very near and dear to my heart is being like the coolest auntie in the world and I hope that I am that auntie that when all my little you know nieces and nephews and little nibblings grow up that they are like mom and dad I don't want you to come for career day I want auntie Colby to come for career day yes I love that (laughs) that would be amazing (laughs) yeah because like I mean, I guess they could bring Andrew. He's a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) No offense. Teachers are amazing. We know that representation matters. And obviously students already see teaching as a profession that they can get into. Exactly. So, you know, like why not broaden their horizons? (laughs) I actually did have once to explain to my nibblings (laughs) because, you know, I have random like sex related stuff. Like I have a a plush, the I heart guts. A penis, a vulva, and a uterus. I love the that. uterus of which is Soul's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
But like once my, my, he's my older nibbling. I don't remember how old he was. Maybe he's 10 now. So like maybe like seven or eight. And he was like, why do you have that? And I was like, oh, I teach people about their bodies. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah. And then he kind of forgot about it. I love that it's Saul's favorite because he's probably like, well, I've spent a third of my life here with this. (laughs) Right. He knows it. He knows it intimately. So he's like, oh, I was, I was there. (laughs) This looks familiar. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, like he also, I still have our, like our um, ultrasound pictures up on the fridge. And so, like, I, I used to sound like, oh, that's that's you. That's you when you were in my uterus. And so now, once in a while, he'll see the pictures. And he's like, Saul was in Nana's uterus. And I'm like, correct. Once upon a time, little guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, like, sometimes he says it as though he remembers it. And I'm like. Yo, he might, though. He, <laughs> don't you wish you could go back to that age and be like, but what was happening in our brain? Because, like. Yeah. I don't remember things like when I was his, maybe when I, like when I start to have these like flashing memories, but there has to be things happening in his brain all the time. Oh yeah. I know. I wish that he had, I wish that they had the like language ability early on to be able to be like, yes, I was swirling about and it was warm, (laughs) you know? Very cozy. Yeah. You know, I wish that'd be the coolest. Were you teaching college courses during your like schooling? Yeah, I think I started teaching. I think I, it's all a blur, but I think I started teaching after I had, so I also, I have a master's in human sexuality studies too. And I think I had had that degree when I started mm. teaching college courses, but it was before I had gotten like my PhD. Did you inherit the college course from someone else or, or were you able to kind of build it? The first class I took was such a gift because I had been given but also had the ability to develop like the course from scratch. And I chose to, because that's what I, I literally, and I think that's what it was. I had just like gone to school, like for like curriculum development and like Mm. the courses were all like fresh in my mind. So I was, I was very lucky in my like PhD program that like I worked during it. So I was able to like my, and it worked for my brain that I was able to apply Mm a lot of the things I was learning in, in the program to like the work I was doing. So I was like super like excited to like, no, I want to start from scratch. I didn't hear it in the textbook, but besides that, I was able to like build it from scratch. And I'm going to still say like, it was awesome. I actually was sad like a couple years ago. Cause I was like, where is, I lost it. I don't have it, but I was hoping to have the syllabus from that class, that first class. Oh, wow. I wanted it first. I actually think it might, I wanted to like reference it for building my online course because it was like so it I was very proud of it at the time I'm sure it's a little outdated now but I was hoping to have it like yeah it was a built from scratch it was great so you had a book too there's like a human sexuality book (laughs) and were there things in that book that you were like we're skipping this chapter or we're going to talk about it and like deconstruct it yeah I can't remember from that book but there's still just a lot of or, and at least even in the textbooks, what I teach, like relatively recently, like the sex work stuff mm. feels a little, the cuspy to me, like often, to, you know, so like we in the field will use term like sex worker, but like the terminology mm-hmm. is still like prostitute. So it's a little outdated for the field mm-hmm. and street yeah. water and stuff like that. And it's still a little like judgment. Yeah. Right. So Isn't everyone who's walking on the street, a street walker, <laughs> technically, like I never understood that one. Right. So I feel like the important, the nuance of like language 
in some of right them. like those of us who aren't sex workers walking on the sidewalk are hovering like what are we doing <laughs> hey have you heard of ship a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing culturally inclusive, medically accurate, and pleasure-guided sexuality education, therapy, and professional training to adults. You can find us online at weknowship.org. We provide the sex education you deserve, and we know sexual health includes pleasure. What can I see? What's going on? <laughs> I passed this and love to find a resource that's better than ones that I've like made up in the past. But we often talk or like a lot of the textbooks I've seen will talk about gender on mm-hmm. the spectrum, on a spectrum. That made it sound like right, that. right. But doesn't talk about biology on the spec, like biological sex on the same spectrum, uh, or at least doesn't have really great visuals to demonstrate mm-hmm. the spectrum of it, which sometimes. I think, or at least I've seen for students can be really helpful in understanding the idea that like, it's not just a penis or a vagina, or I'm going to say like hermaphrodite is still the word that like they use. Yeah. There, there is a fluidity of what genitalia can look like. And I don't see a good visual of like the fluid and, and oftentimes so it'll be like biology, gender, and I, they're definitely not the same. They don't talk about them in the same, like there is a breadth of experience for both, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That there's, even though there's this understanding that there's a variety of genders, they're still like, but there's also penis or vagina. Right. Or hermaphrodite, which is intersex. Right, right. So right, right, right. I haven't seen a really good, I don't know, like way that it built, like to, that, that, the, that the knowledge base, if we're building a knowledge base for students in the classroom that like, these things don't exist in a binary like we've often been taught all of these things don't exist in a binary we can think of almost all of these concepts like gender and like orientation and even like you know gender expression gender identity Mm -hmm. like all of these there's just options for everyone and like I almost wish we'd get away from like some of the naming them Mm -hmm. by naming and labeling them inherently we're putting them in boxes does that make sense yes that's definitely part of the confusion for people, right? Is that there's yep. like, okay, but but if it's this, then why this yeah. kind of thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and for folks who like aren't in it, like that isn't their lived experience. The brain automatically wants to like, and I get it. I I mm-hmm. understand it. The brain wants to make sense of it. So then yeah. I'm like, questions I'll get. So if this and this and this, what is that called? And right. the more that we're using labels to call things things the more like those questions are going to happen because like we categorize. Right. Cause even like raising a little human, right? Like it's hard to, Oh my God. Like I, I we try, we've tried very hard to, and he's, he's also like, doesn't really care. Like he's a child, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But like earlier today we were walking around and we were, excuse me, I was walking, he was being pushed around in his little push car and he, <laughs> and he saw, the po- like a post office worker a male person and he literally said oh, oh it's a male person and I was like wow shit we taught you that because like it is I believe this person is a male man but also like we don't know then it just but he it just like flowed out of his mouth so easily and I was like cool <laughs> oh language is so important what I feel like mm. that's already a theme we've like touched on a couple of times here, not even thinking about it. Like that language is really so, so important because the language, like you're saying, the language you're using to teach soul is literally 
the language he's using to understand the world. Like it is yeah. how he's like learning to understand the world, right? So if you're saying yeah. versus like saying man or woman, like that's going to change his experience of like he's first going to think person, and then man or woman might come after that as a like identifier or a descriptor of said person, but like yeah. think person first. It is really fucking cool, and also like um, it's interesting because we're we're working on like his own pronouns, mm-hmm. but, but his, um, the first person pronouns, right. Cause mm-hmm. he still refers to himself as you, which is extremely confusing. <laughs> Has he gotten, so he hasn't gotten to the stage yet where he talks in the third person where everything is sold as this. Oh, he's still doing that too. It's that and the you. And like once in a while he will like flip his sentences. Cause we've been teaching him to say like I and me, but if he's not if he's not like actively thinking about it or he's like trying to explain something like of urgency to him. And like earlier today, he was trying to sit on a train. It was in a book. So he sat on the book <laughs> and he said, you know, he was saying like, I want you on the train. And so I was like, you're on the train, <laughs> but he actually did mean me. Which <laughs> because we call him you all, like y'all call him you all the time. Like, right. Exactly. I like was laughing about, one of my nieces because she was doing the like third person thing a lot and then I realized like when I talk to her I also talk to her like that so no wonder she does that because I'll be like do you want auntie to like make this for you and I was like I'm modeling third person because I'm talking about myself like no wonder right I don't know right no totally it's so funny and so interesting and speaking of of like teaching people things right like so you've had like folks in the, in the classroom setting and now you have your, your own like personal clients. Do you find that there are similarities between the students that you've had in the classroom and your clients? Oh, 100%. I think all around for the most part that the work that I'm doing, whether it's with students in a classroom setting or it's with clients one-on-one is broadening like options. And that's kind of why I like mm. the shoulds, like we are diminishing those shoulds like there are these scripts that we have all again this I always want to use the word indoctrinated but I feel like that just always assumes malintent yeah I know we are all socialized to believe are true and 99% of the time they're true they're soft true they're not hard true or they're typical experience but not the only potential experience so I think almost all of my work is that it's just whether we're talking about that person like if if it's Mm. coaching it's we're talking about that person's experience only I mean I shouldn't say only but like we're focusing on that person's experience whether when I'm teaching we're talking about like the human lived experience more broadly and obviously like using our own sometimes like personal experiences to like apply those Mm. ideas yeah yeah I'm gonna jump ahead and say that we should talk about the shits we should talk about the shits Mm -hmm. let's talk about the shits Mm I mean, I love that phrase, like, don't shit on yourself, right? <laughs> it's, it always makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard that. that oh, my God. Time. It's so good. Oh, my God, that's beautiful. Don't shit on yourself. It's so funny. I know. I need to find, I need all of the things. I need a bumper sticker. I need a sticker. I need a kiss. I need all the things. Yeah. Don't get wrecked. Don't get Add them in the comments. Bring me all of y'all. Yeah, there you go. So I know I grew up with a bunch of like shoulds for sure. What were some that you grew up with? Some that I think of like off the bat, 
like I, my brain automatically, automatically goes to like really direct shoulds, right? So mm. I can think of shoulds that I was very blatantly told, like, do not get pregnant. I was told shoulds of like, go to college. Like, and again, I have like a single mom. So it was like, you do not worry about boys before you worry about your education. But then like, there were more indirect shoulds, right? She never said, or girls, or she never said people. Like it was always like husband, boy, boyfriend. And then I just obviously think about like the world and what my body was supposed to look like based on, you know, people I grew up around with well-intentioned, including like my mom. Right, like, right, you know, right. You don't have the body to wear that. Like, da, da, da. my mm. stepdad was an asshole and called me fat all the time. And like, mm. but then it, like, we look at all of our role models in the media. So I knew what my body was right. should look like. And then I think it was just always expected too, like the shoulds, like what sex when I was going to do, what it should look like, what it should and I, you know, I think like penis and vagina sex was the sex I was right, right. to be wanting or there was no, I even think of like, yep, shoulds in terms of like gender identity. Like when I was younger, my mom dressed me in dresses, right? Oh mm-hmm. my God, but she did cut my hair into a bowl cut in like second grade and I wanted to die. I will say like she cut it from like super long. because, And I remember being wanting to die because I thought people were going to think I was a boy, especially because I was like chubby. Mm. I was like very worried that people were going to think I was a boy and that like, I knew that wasn't what I should be. Right. I don't know. Right. 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 I feel that very hard. The, the like expectations of like dress and look and, and all of that. Yeah. How do you think that that affected your relationships? Your like friendships as well as, you know, romantic as well as familial. I mean, you and I just talked about the body is not an apology the other day. So Mm -hmm. I think we had already about like, that is very much been on my mind, even lately, even as someone who knows all of those expectations are bullshit. Like they've definitely, and I've talked about it in therapy, like some of those things have definitely stayed with me as someone who's not. And I like super tall, super thin, super like model-esque, like media, you know, the perfect body. Those things stay with me. I you know, even though I feel like I've worked on them a lot. Right. So, but I still remember, like, I can still feel pain and like salience of like those moments. Like I remember literally my stepfather saying to his mother one day when she wanted to send me and I had a stepsister who was around my age home with like snacks or whatever, leftovers from dinner. And he literally Mm -hmm. pointed at her and said, she won't eat them. And she's fat. So we don't need them. And like, I still remember, like, I still remember that. Who cares? Like stupid. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so I think those things, shit, which I feel bad even talking about this with you a little bit, Cece, because you're a parent and you have to raise a child. And I just, oh my God. So nervous about, because there's so many things. Well, let me tell you, like, it is a whole thing. The eating, especially, especially as someone who is also a chubby, I almost said child. (laughs) Child. (laughs) What? That's not a word, (laughs) as far as I know. But, but the, things that I was taught about eating, right. And the values that were associated with eating and like what you should be eating and what that's supposed to look like, like the, the whole freaking, oh my God, I can't even remember what it's called. The trying the pyramid, the nutritional yeah. pyramid thing, yeah. you know, like, God, I still have that picture in my head. I don't remember what the hell's at the top, but <laughs> also had nothing to do with anyone's actual health. It had to do with weight because there was nobody taking like blood sugar levels for eight-year-olds to make sure no one had diabetes like they were just right. 
right like it was just weight right size sorry <laughs> no exactly exactly and so like some of the time there are times when I've had to like you know luckily there's there's like great people out there in the in social media that I follow who are who talk a lot about like feeding your child and it starts with a lot of the like you know breastfeeding stuff but moving into toddlerhood and having him eat solid foods there was this like oh no he's not eating this thing what do I do kind of feeling and it's like you just adapt there's like a a plethora of other things that he could eat and it's okay that he's eating them you know what I mean like I posted the other day on Facebook that he literally was like I was like, what do you want for breakfast? And, and I'm, I'm engaged with this with him. Like, what do you want for breakfast? His usual answer is bagel and cream cheese, which is like, fine. And also I want to give him variety. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The other day he literally was just like, cheese. All I want is cheese. And I'm just like, well, you, you can't just have cheese. Like, can we have some strawberries? And he's like, I just, and he just said it like very matter of factly. I just want cheese right now. All right, it was so funny. <laughs> right. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm also going to give you some strawberries and some <laughs> Cheerios, you know, like, and I was a little bit like, is this okay? Like, this is all I'm giving you. It isn't, it didn't represent what I thought of as like a meal. Right. But that's the shoulds. Those are the shoulds. Those are the shoulds. We don't, and we like, you're right. Like we're just, and we can't get away from them. And it's yeah sad that we can't, I don't know. It is a little sad. It's like a a constant conversation you have to have with yourself. Yes. Second guessing, like the fact that you were even second guessing, like your best judgment, because I'm I'm just making, now I'm making things up. You didn't say these words, but I'm guessing like you could potentially been second guessing your your judgment as like soul's caretaker, as his mother, Mm -hmm. as a really smart, bright, brilliant person on this earth who like knows what's up. (laughs) I know some things. And then soul like, you know, like, I just think of what we're doing to, like, so, not we, like, you're not, I don't want to make this, but, like, so these little kids were, like, but my body, like, I just want cheese. What's wrong with cheese? You know what I mean? And then, like, we're, like, right, right. a coworker was telling me the same thing about how is her, like, she's trying really hard to, like, again, like, get away from some of those, like, because our culture is, like, it is so hard because our culture is, mm. both, but even just, like, no, if he want, like, I'm going to give him dessert. Cause we just made rules up about what's dessert, right? Like that's, right. that's not, that's a social dessert's a social construct. It's just food. <laughs> right. Or like <laughs> breakfast. Like, yeah. Like why can't I have pancakes at lunch? Right. And you can, right. Cause forget the rules. Who cares? Like the rules are bullshit. Have pancakes at lunch. You're an adult. You want to, they bring you joy and that's what you're craving. There's no the rule is bullshit. That's if you can't have pancakes for lunch. That I don't right. takes anything away from this talk. That is it. Like, or have popcorn and yep. you know a beverage in the at like what time was it three in the afternoon? Agree. Right. Right. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> there are some other shoulds oh. you grew up with. Oh, totally. I mean, definitely the you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to date until you're 18, which is like. Oh. Cecilia, I don't know if he's going to stay on, but my, my husband just joined and he doesn't even know how to do social media. So I don't know if he even- Congratulations. But I'm really- Welcome. For this moment. Okay, go on. <laughs> oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi. <laughs> yeah, so definitely the like, you can't date until you're 18, which I feel like was very much a holdout from like their Filipino upbringing. And also mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's also very general. And I remember being like, 13 with my first boyfriend we literally talked on the phone and I remember this distinct feeling of like well I'm American now 
So I can do whatever I want, which is like, I learned very quickly that was not true. There's still a lot of the like negative messaging around movement, Mm. right? Like I love dance. I love, I really actually enjoy like doing exercise, but so much of the like shitty messaging that has kind of co-opted that Mm -hmm. is so like built in, like you're only supposed, you're doing this because the whole point is that you're losing weight. And it's just Mm. like, what if I actually just like dance? Like, what if I actually enjoy going for a walk? And it isn't about like yeah. some number on the scale, you know? Yeah, take some of the joy out of it. If you're not, and then you're right. not doing it right to be doing it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I feel like it's a little tough, but I know you do the like you do do you have a Peloton? I have a bro- what I call a broke bitch Peloton. <laughs> so. You and a lot of other people I know, honestly. And it has, I, it's the same, like, I very much, um, I think it's, like, great for, like, especially, like, my mental health, but again, like, it almost feels like, well, if I'm not losing weight, this is, no one, I have these thoughts all the time, but, like, no one's gonna believe that I work out all the time, because I don't look like I do, which is, like, stupid, but whatever. Right. Yes, I have a Broke Bitch Peloton, so, and I purchased it, so it's just, like, a stationary bike, but I have, like, mm. a Peloton app, which, like, I have downstairs, Speaking of said hubs, he set me up so nice when we moved into this house. I have this great space downstairs with like big DJ speakers and a TV down there that I plug Ooh. it into and I just jam out. So the the app is like 14 bucks a month or something like that. Nice. Versus the like very $2,000 bike, but it, it does the job for me. It gets the job done, but and it is my yeah. obsessed. I love it. I know. I know a lot of people who are like on that same ride with you. We talked a little bit about the shoulds and like a lot of those like expectations that people have basically like grown up with and also potentially are kind of passing along to the next generation or even just other people, like maybe even other friends or what have you. What, what do you think are like the really hard and really like harsh truths, right? Because this is the raw bar and we're all about like putting it out of there on the table what are the harsh truths about relationships that people are not ready to hear? I saw this question to be fair. And I was like, I don't know how to answer it. Cause I feel like there's like so many and it's all the, like, like the should. So like this, like, I feel like the biggest one for me is like all the shit you were taught. And again, I don't think we were necessarily taught like formally, like we didn't have a class in mm. third grade that was like, this is how your sex and love life is going to be or should be. But like, they're just messages we're receiving from the world all the time. Everything you were taught was bullshit. Maybe not everything, but 95% of what you were taught is bullshit. And I feel like for a lot of folks that I talk to, it feels a little like a betrayal. And it's hard. Like once we like get over that betrayal, like it's where we can like start to do the work and change and really expand our mindsets and things like that. But like it is, and I like equate it to the easy one. I feel like folks is, they are able to kind of like hold on to it versus like Disney movies or like any like rom-coms, right? Like, cause we like, we know those are bullshit. Like there isn't a Prince Charming. There isn't like, we're, we're not going to get saved in like a tower and our white horse or anything like that. Like, so we know. I'm not getting on a horse. P.S. I'm not. <laughs> like no <Nope>. matter what. <laughs> nope. I'll walk. <laughs> right. Exactly. So like that, that, that fantasy is not real. And I get that that's kind of like this end of the spectrum of that fantasy, but there's also like other fantasies in here that aren't real. Like, 
like there isn't one there isn't the one there isn't the one the one doesn't exist there it's bullshit it's crap if there's only one the one for you out in this world that is daunting like how do I find that person what if they live in China and I live in the United States how am I ever like that's not how love works right like we Mm. choose partners out of the options that we are given we are able to expand those options by choice if we want. And, you know, that's why people do things like online dating, right? So it's not just the people we interact with in person all the time, or, you know, that's why we go out to potentially like places to meet people because we recognize they're not just going to come to us, but like, Mm -hmm. people go on like reality shows, like there's a, a, but that is all, all of those things that we're doing are expanding our options to find a compatible person. And then obviously we can talk about how like, or compatible people, right. And like, then we can talk about like, and then that relationship takes work. It's not just like, there's not the one. Oh yeah. That whole concept is just, I mean, I, I have to admit, I definitely believe that once yeah. upon a oh, time, right? Like, oh, my God. like there's like all the signs of like, it's meant to be. And this is yeah. just like, this has happened. And so thus, this is the sign that we are supposed to be together forever. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. 100%. Like I still... And I think the hard part is too, Cece, is that there's still like, I don't think that doesn't mean like the universe doesn't send us signs, right? I don't think that that means that like, there is no fate or destiny part of, you know, like there's still like romanticism. Like, I just don't think it's as like, it can still be romantic. And I think still things can still be beautiful and realistic, Mm -hmm. but like the, a lot of the like ultra romantic ideals about what we're taught about relationships and love aren't true yeah oh also the you mentioned this earlier the like it's just supposed to be easy I hear that a lot oh or yes the like if he loved me he would know what I'm thinking or if he knew me or even and we do that and we do that with not only romantic partners and not only men I know I just use a he pronoun but like yeah yeah like we do that with friends too like oh if she knew like oh, she's not even my friend. She didn't even reach out to see how I was. Like, oh my Mm. God, whatever. Like, I saw this a lot. Cece, I don't know if you saw this too. Like, I feel like I saw this a lot, especially around like when I was like wedding planning and things like that. And I was in situations where like brides were talking like about bridesmaids parties or bachelorette parties or things like that. They're like, well, I don't, I remember once even like, I don't want to, these are all the things that I want to do, but I don't want to sound demanding. So I'm not going to tell anybody these are the things I want to do. Like you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Tell them like communication, like nothing. Yeah. Nothing's easy. Like things aren't perfect. Things aren't easy. Love and ease are not synonymous. I do, you know, I think we could probably both agree that like there gets to be a point where if like a relationship is really tough, like mm. stepping back to re-examine whether or not like staying in that relationship like makes sense. But that doesn't mean that a right relationship or real love or true love or whatever isn't going to be hard at times. Right. Or that even if things started becoming difficult in that relationship, that there wasn't like all the good stuff that were also part of it. It can be like wonderful at one point and also bad at the end this and right right and that like always like and to be fair that's still something I like wonder about and like I don't know if you and Andrew ever do this but I will say me and my like who do this sometimes where we're like like we've even said like we will break up before we hate each other 
Mm. Like, because breaking up's not as, like, staying together isn't as important as being, like, mad. Like, we like each other so much. We want to always at least, like, not hate each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't, but I can't fathom, and I know it just hasn't been part of my lived experience yet. I can't fathom loving him as much as I do, even though there are times where we fight. He pisses me off. He can be very annoying. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if he's still here, but he would probably say something <laughs> about me, right? Like, I, I recognize those, like, real life things. Do you work at or attend a college or university? Are you looking to feature a sex educator who can speak to the students about a variety of sexuality topics? Well, your favorite mermaid goddess sex educator is here to work with you and administrators to provide an entertaining and educational experience. I love working with college students, especially because I can keep it real while providing accurate sexual health information. Topics range from pleasure anatomy to pleasure tools to pleasurable permission, pleasure-centered workshop about consent. I can help make sure that the student population can be better equipped humans as they explore the world beyond their homes. To book a workshop with me, head on over to goddesscecilia.com. That's G-O-D-D-E-S-S-C-E-C-I-L-I-A.com and fill out the form on the contact page. I can't imagine hating him, although I know that it happens because like, you know what I mean? You see these really ugly divorces and folks that are oh, like, yeah. have happy, happy years and then separate and no longer do, but so sorry. Now I feel like I'm like rambling, but like that just like no, no. amazes me. The fact that we can have so much affection, but like it happens all the time with, again, and not just like romantic. Oh, yeah friendships family relationships and yeah like recognizing that that's part of the pro- like part of it doesn't mm. is helpful I don't know to like yeah feel bad when it fails too like right relationships don't last forever romantic and that's okay <laughs> yeah. right and that's okay it's like I know like and I think I think it's part of what we talked about earlier that there's this like very embedded belief that like this is just how things are supposed to go. And if they don't go this way, then we're doing something wrong. We failed or something, you know? Yep. Like if we still see breakups as like a failure and I think that's crap because oftentimes, and I know we can both like empathize that like oftentimes they are a win. They are a success, like a breakup. Such a win. Leaving a relationship, a win. Or even that like relationship conflict is a bad thing. Like, mm. I can't, I, I can, like, very specifically say, like, the, in the conflict sucks. Like, I spiral in conflict. Like, my brain automatically goes to this place where, like, if I'm not conflicting, like, I get it. I still feel like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. I'm failing. I'm fucking up. Like, I, but I can, like, very saliently think of after conflict moments where I feel like that sucks, but I feel like we're better off. Like, this relationship is better off for having been through that. Like, if I'm in an angry place, it's hard for me to feel anything else. Mm, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Because it's just like, I'm so focused on the the current feeling that, like, if you turn around, if, you, if Andrew were to turn around when I'm mad and be like, but I still love you, I would probably, like, my death stare would slice him in half. Because <laughs> I would be like, that is not the feeling that I'm trying to go to right now. Like, let me be in my freaking anger. <laughs> And that makes sense to like our neurological system, right? Like you have to 
for anyone who hasn't read anything or like like consumed anything by Emily Nagoski, do it. But one of like she, her, and her sister wrote this book about the stress response cycle, and this yes. reminds me of it, right? Like I have to like go through this cycle in order. Like my brain at this point is like all these things are flashing, like all this blood pressure. Like I literally like am crazy, and I, I don't mean to like trivialize the use of the word crazy, but like my brain can't function properly right now because my like stress response is like heightened. So like, I have to like get through that and then I can come back. Let me, let me do my like monster thing over here and then I'll be ready to potentially be rational. (laughs) (laughs) Potentially. And I think that's a good, so that's like a good example for me of like something that like I would work with a coaching client, not to like plug my like services or anything. No, yeah, no, this is what, go for it, please. That's one of those helpful, like a coach can like be helpful for you and it sounds like you know you figure that out and you can navigate that but like if you weren't able to like identify that and you thought and you don't but if like in your mind you were like something is wrong with my relationship because Mm -hmm. which I guarantee there are people out there that think that because when Andrew and I fight and I'm angry at him I no longer at that moment feel love for him something must be like our marriage must be broken I'm not Right. right he's a bad husband like wait there are so many scripts that your brain could be running at that point but like again being able to like get out of that space and like sometimes even having somebody like tell you like girl that's not what that means (laughs) that is a totally normal response like right because we don't all necessarily have those resources and then be able to think about like okay like when you're in that space like what do you need what does Andrew need how can you all together set up a plan so that you both either A, both get what you need at that moment, even when the other person can't give it to you, or B, like feel safe and secure and comfortable in that moment, not having what you need, but knowing you'll probably get what you need in a little bit. Mm, I love that. I love that. You said this earlier. I love that you are a self-described basic bitch. I love that because I feel like I remember the first time you said that I was like, oh shit. That's cool that she's that she's like owning that, you know, because I feel like there's been such a negative connotation sure. with it. And, and yeah, so I would just love to explore that. Like, what does it mean to you? Why do you think the negative connotation happened? And yeah, how, how do you own it? I mean, I think for me, I can appreciate how the negative connotation happens because oftentimes I feel like just the term base, basic bitch is can be very synonymous with a great amount of privilege. And I will own that I do have a huge amount of privilege, right? So it is this idea of like, usually like, it's a white girl thing, like usually, and I even think of like, my uniform as a basic bitch, although it's probably changed now, but I'm like not hip with the kids, but like, in my heightened basic bitch moment, which was probably when I was in college, it was like the Uggs and the leggings and the North Face and like Tiffany necklace and like the straight hair with the highlight, like, my blonde phase, right? And I was, I did have blonde hair because it was part of my uniform. So I definitely can appreciate that it's gotten like some negative connotation. The reason why I feel at home in that is because I obviously, I do encapsulate a lot of the like stereotypes that come along with it. I don't like pumpkin spice latte. I don't dislike them, but I don't love them. But besides Um, that, Lauren Conrad on the Hills was my girl. Like for sure. I told you about the uniform. I at some point owned more Victoria's Secret pink clothing that anyone deserves to have definitely like have the juicy sweatpants like I can do it all I still have mm-hmm. ones. but for me it feels Cece I've talked to you about this before like in the squad too like especially when I was like going through my sexuality program and like even now with my sexuality friends 
I was the most vanilla of everybody, right? So I am, I'm basic and white. I am vanilla. I am cisgender. I am straight. I am monogamous. I was boring. And that's kind of where it like came from. Like, I'm just the basic bitch here. Like y'all all have at least sexuality wise, right? Very amazing, cool, dope experiences, life perspectives and, and stories mm. like I didn't have. And I like, I mean, you and I are, I think are the only monogamous people in the squad. <laughs> yeah, right. And so like, I like, I like, I feel like we do this like joke a little bit all the time, or at least I do is that like, when I'm around like my friends, my like in like real life friends, I guess, like I'm like the crazy sex girl. And it's literally just because I have no problem talking about giving blue jobs. Like, I feel like that's really it. That's all that <laughs> distinguishes me from like all of them is that I will happily talk about going down on something like that's like whatever. That, and that makes me like, oh, crazy. And then we like get to the squad folks and like, Cece, at some point you and I are just surrounded by like folks like getting shifted and like <laughs> and whipped and chained and dilled. Like, and all of a sudden I'm like, the prude and I don't consider myself prude I'm just you know what I mean like but yeah in those spaces I'm like the most basic of bitches I feel like it was it was used as this like very negative connotation it was like but people are just being people you know (laughs) and I'm actually like really thinking lately and so this is cool that we're having this conversation now because I also feel like the people I serve like my clientele are also basic bitches for the most part because and I think the reason for that is like I feel like I am Like I said, like having the opportunity and the gift of being in these spaces with folks who have such vastly different and broader perspectives, experiences than I do, like in my sexuality experience has made me better Mm -hmm. equipped to navigate sexuality and myself. And that's like, I feel like the gift I want to give to others, if that makes sense. Like, so for other basic bitches, just like me, who don't get the opportunity to have these really fucking awesome, eye-opening, expansive experiences with, with like actual other humans, you know what I mean? Like being able to pass along some of the things I've like been so privileged to be able to learn from them. I've mentioned this in other um, raw bars. But one of my like weird ideas back in the day and like, you know, there's still time, right? Like there's there's a whole lifetime of ideas. There's still time. One of my like jokey ideas that I actually feel like isn't, could really be a good one is to be the, you know, like those people in in, like at the club is, or or, like some fancy restaurant. Sometimes there's like a person in the bathroom and they hand you a towel, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or like, you're just in the bathroom and like you overhear people having a conversation and then the whole bathroom erupts in this like giving advice in a caring sort of way type of thing. I always thought it would be cool to, to actually like provide that as a, as a service because I I really feel, and this is the like social worker in me, that the non-traditional spaces are where people really pick up a lot of information that can be really helpful for them. And so even if they're drunk at a bar, <laughs> you can put something in their pocket that has like a flyer of information, like, or their friends will have it or like, you know what I mean? I and it. so I was just thinking, I mean, like, again, maybe this is a future idea, but like, I would still one day like to do something with that for funsies. I don't know how, but like another really untraditional place is 
the restroom at a football stadium. <laughs> Cecilia, goddess Cecilia, mermaid adornment, love. That is such a good idea. I mean, oh my god! Because first of all, you even talking about this really makes me miss like those bar restroom moments because I haven't had one. I mean, no one's really. Very few of us have had one in many years, right? Yeah, same. I'm but too old. Right, but that is genius. That is brilliant. That is such a good idea. I love that. I'm in. I'm in. Count me in. I will come help. <laughs> I love it. Well, one day, one day, we'll figure this out. <laughs> There's like a logistical part that I haven't gone to yet. Yeah. And also like maybe when everyone's like back in the places. <laughs> Correct. I'm not going in any bar bathrooms for a long period of time these days. Yeah. All right. Final question. What are you currently finding pleasure in, like in life? Okay, so this is also going to sound a little non-traditional. And one of those, it's going to be an example of how the relationship rules are fake, right? They're bullshit. Mm. But, so the boo is actually away for a week. He has oh. to go home for a funeral, which is very sad. Oh. I, I did not go with him. And I literally cried when he left because I just like, felt bad that I wasn't and we we made the decision together that I wouldn't go and it was like because I don't get paid time out, whatever but I, I felt like a bad wife mm. he didn't give a shit he didn't, he didn't care he well not that he, he cared that I was crying but he was like I'm not upset you're not going you know what I mean but it was like these expectations but I am going to find pleasure even though I miss his presence in having the house and space to all to myself for one whole week I am going to and this obviously again does not mean I do not like it when he is here I very much do however we were I was talking about this with a girlfriend just the other day I feel like we don't talk enough about how there are I feel like especially as women we are often socialized to be in a relationship rather than be single like there are all these like negative kind of like oh she's single whatever but there are yeah, yeah. there are really beautiful parts about singlehood and I'm not single I get it because you could always like again one of the rules just because you're with someone doesn't mean you have to be in a house you don't have to live with them you can have your own space right 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 but anyways, I am going to starfish in our bed every night. I like to keep the blinds open all night because I like to wake up with the sun, whereas he mm. usually likes them closed. So I'm going to relish in like being woken up by the sun for a few days. I, same thing, I, I would leave the windows open all day. He likes air conditioning. So I'm going to relish and find pleasure in the fresh air that I don't get as much as you and it's gorgeous right now I know I know it's been really nice so that is what I am finding pleasure in right now I love it I <laughs> love that I, I, I love that question just because I like to yeah oh yeah yeah the like extra 15 minutes to sometimes a half hour of sleep because Soul is starting to wake up later in the morning. <laughs> it's Not been like, oh yes, yeah, yeah, quick, like, oh my god, like, but like, it's slowly moving to the like later in the morning, and I'm just like so freaky. We all know, or at least some of us know. I'm not good at it. It's so. here I am at 2 a.m. doing my is there been some mornings where it's like oh my god you woke up like so much like your regular time that earlier like at midnight <laughs> when self-care like practices come to eat with time 
time is a construct anyway. <laughs> All right, my friend. This was so fun. So fun. Dr. Colby. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Thank you for sharing a beverage, for having some popcorn with me. Um, and for those of you who tuned in live, thank you for joining us. Thank you for those people who are listening to this later. How can people find you? People can find me. I'm here on Instagram at dr.coldymarizzi is probably the best way to find me. I'm most active on the Instagrams. I do also have a website, coldysongle.com, but it's boring. So come, come talk to me on Instagram. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Have a lovely day. Thank you, Colby. Thanks, Reese. Bye. Well, friends, it's time to go our separate ways. I hope your body and brain are fully satiated and stimulated from today's episode. Make sure you rate and review today's episode and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Lastly, head on over to goddesscecilia.com. That's G-O-D-D-E-S-S-C-E-C-I-L-I-A.com to find out how you can connect with my guests and me and how you can be a part of the Raw Bar regulars. See you next time.